Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today, we are in Matthew chapter 10, and if you're just joining us, we are working our way through an introduction to the Gospels, where we're going little by little, and we're just talking about the history, the culture, we're gaining an understanding of how Matthew's original audience, which was a Jewish audience, how they would have heard this information, and the hope is that with this understanding, you will recognize the character and nature of God that is revealed through His Word. If you are somebody that wants to dive a little bit deeper, I just want to make you aware that we have additional resources. You can go to our Patreon page, which is linked in the show notes, and there we have journaling prompts every day. We do journaling prompts that help you process and information. And then we also have family discussion guides. So if you have kids and you're listening to the Hearing Jesus for Kids podcast, it couples that information so that you guys can discuss it maybe at the dinner table or as part of your family devotions. Again, they're just extra resources to help you and your family grow together in your relationship with the Lord. If you have additional questions, you can always schedule some life coaching or spiritual direction with me. You can go to shehears.org for more information on that. And so we're in Matthew chapter 10, starting at verse 1. Today I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also called Peter, and then Andrew, Peter's brother, James, son of Zebedee, John, James' brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Jesus sent out the twelve apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Now, I'm actually going to stop right there. We're going to continue with this passage tomorrow, but I want to stop right there because there's a lot that's packed in here that I want to make sure that we don't miss. First, I don't know if you're like me, but I always had the question, why 12? Why was there only 12? Or why were there so many? Why not six? But I want to make sure that we understand that that number 12 was intentional on the part of Jesus. See, Jesus was creating more than this rabbi disciple model that we saw so often in that time frame. What he was doing is taking this number 12 as a representation of the restoration of Israel. And that was promised in this messianic age. I want to read for you Isaiah chapter 11, verses 11 through 12 from the Old Testament. It says, In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the islands of the Mediterranean. He will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the fourth quarters of the earth. See, what Jesus was doing was 
representing the 12 tribes of Israel that had been scattered all over the world. And the representation of the 12 was this idea that the 12 are going to now bring these exiled nations, these exiled remnant of Israel back. And so with the arrival of the kingdom of heaven with Jesus, it is time to gather Israel's lost sheep. In verse five, it says, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Well, that might bring you questions like, hey, I thought this was a message for everybody. It is. But remember, it's first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. What he's doing is he is gathering these scattered people groups from all over the place and bringing them back. And so in Matthew, what we're learning is there is a universal scope of God's mission, and we're going to see that come to fruition after the resurrection. So in the closing words of this gospel, at the very end of the book of Matthew, what we'll learn is where he says, go and make disciples of all nations. And so it's a clear directive for Jesus's followers to go to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. But essentially, this is a message that starts with Jews, which are God's chosen people. And again, it reveals God's heart for his people. And so sending these 12 out, again, represents these 12 tribes and you know, there were other people groups that also had that same model. The the Dead Sea Scroll people that, that were in the wilderness there, they did that as well because they believed that their group was the true obedient remnant of Israel. But it it's really this representation of this sorrow that Israel has been carrying of their people groups being scattered everywhere. And now they're going to be unified and brought back because of Jesus. So, the ancient sources that list the names of the disciples, I want to make sure that we recognize that sometimes there could be some discrepancies when you look o- across the other gospel writers. But the reason for that is because a lot of times people were called by more than one name, and sometimes they were called by their title or their job. So when we see it talks about like Simon the Zealot, for instance, well, sometimes he would be called a Canaanian because that's an Aramaic word for zealot. Or sometimes that word zealot is just translated as the zealot one. So sometimes that title might even be left off. But the reason for that is different writers have different interpretations of who that person is. And so if somebody were to talk about me, somebody might say, oh, Rachel, the host of the podcast, the Hearing Jesus podcast. And somebody else might say, oh, Rachel, the author of the She Hears Bible Study. And then somebody else might say, oh, Rachel, the missionary. Those are all true. Somebody might say, Rachel, the wife of Tim or the mother of Georgia. That's all the same thing. It's all describing me. But depending on the person that you're talking to, they might have a different description based on our relationship. And so if you see when we're going through these gospels and you see a slightly different name, that's typically what's happening there. The other thing I want to point out is that while we understand the incredible work that the disciples, the apostles did We don't want to idealize them. We need to remember that these were men, just like any other man or woman that is following Jesus and is used by Jesus. And we find that they're not much different from you or me. Now, what the Bible does is it takes a look at ordinary people that were used by an extraordinary God to do extraordinary things, but very much in a similar way to what God calls you and me to do, it's the same thing for them. These were people that kind of came from regular jobs and regular lives, and God transformed their lives, which means he can transform our lives as well. I want to go through real quick 
each of these disciples just to kind of show you that it's not like these people are from some extraordinary line or can't be measured up to because they're everyday normal people. Simon, who is called Peter, he was a successful businessman in the fishing industry, and he was regularly in leadership positions within their community. His brother, Andrew, he was somebody that was highly sensitive to God's leading, but he was often overshadowed by his brother, Peter. James, the son of Zebedee, well, he left a successful family business to follow Jesus, but he was the first of the apostles that was martyred. His brother, John, he had a fiery temper and he was known for having a profound love for God, which honestly, for those of us that have a temper, you know, I come from a long line of Irish Italians, but that's freeing to me to know that despite my flaws, I could be used for God. Philip, well, he was never quite one to be known to be in the inner circle, yet he took a leadership role among the lesser known apostles. Bartholomew, do you even know anything about him? Because honestly, I didn't know a whole lot about him. He was known for his outspoken honesty, and he's probably the one called Nathaniel in John chapter one. Again, different names. Sometimes people went by their first name. Sometimes they went by their middle name. Sometimes they went by their family name. Thomas, he was known to be a skeptic, but eventually he had one of the most profound theological understandings of who Jesus was and his, his identity. Matthew, the tax collector. We talked about that in detail about his role as a tax collector. He was formerly a traitor to his own people and he had an interest in making his own money. And then he became a missionary to them, to those people by writing this gospel that we're studying. James, the son of Alphaeus, he was either younger or shorter or less well-known than the other James. And he had a faithful life throughout his ministry with Jesus, but he was never given much recognition for it. Or Thaddeus, sometimes he was called Labius, and sometimes he was called Judas, the son of James. And he's often confused with Judas Iscariot, and he didn't develop much of his own reputation. Simon the Zealot, well, before accepting Jesus as the Messiah, he was involved in guerrilla warfare, and he was a fighter who wanted to bring God's kingdom on by force. And then, of course, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus. His love of money and power may have drawn him to abandon and then betray even his closest friends. Matthew is the only one who calls these men, these 12 disciples, apostles. And that word apostles, I don't want you to get overwhelmed by that. Sometimes people even use the word apostle to describe a leadership role within certain churches now. And Paul calls himself an apostle. Apostle means sent one. And you can think of this almost like a commissioned representative. I like to think of it even in terms of maybe like an insurance salesman. The insurance salesman is the one that's going out and if they're telling people about the insurance, they have the authority of that insurance company to act on behalf of that company to offer them the services. I think sometimes we overcomplicate what this word apostle means. It means sent one. It means somebody that's been given the authority to act on behalf of that commissioning. And so if you think about that in terms of what God has called us to do, we're all called to be apostles. Now, there is a role of apostle in the spiritual gifts, and we'll get to that later as we're studying it. But I don't want us to put the apostles in this place of worship almost, which is what sometimes people do, but instead recognize that God took this group of 12 men 
And there were women that followed along as far, part of the disciple group as well. But it was 12 men that God took that had an ability to go and and operate within their gifts that God had given them to share this gospel message. And God used that 12 to make an impact on the earth that changed everything. But it wasn't because they were special. It's because they were surrendered to who God was and what God wanted to do in their lives. You and I are called to be these business agents as well, these apostles, ones that are sent out. And the reality is, is we are living in a world that is desperate for this message. I want to draw special attention just for a minute to what the very first verse says. It says, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. See, Jesus wants his followers to spiritually stand against the forces of evil in this world. And if nothing else, you and I know as believers living in this world that there is plenty of evil. And the part of the responsibility of the body of Christ is to call that out and to drive out evil spirits, to heal the sick, to show authority over evil in this world. And you may be thinking, I can't do that. And you are absolutely right. You can't. We don't have authority based on who we are. We do it based on who Jesus is. And it is through the power and the authority of Christ that we can speak light into places of darkness. And so as we continue to study the work that the apostles are doing over the next couple of days, I don't want you to do that from a place of feeling like, man, I could never measure up to these guys. No, you, you really can't without Jesus. But instead, look at this through this vision of who God is calling them to be, who they were before, everyday people, business leaders and fishermen and people that are overlooked and people that are insecure and see what God did with those surrendered hearts. It's incredible. And and he can do the same with a surrendered life of your own. Let's go back and read starting at verse one, chapter 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also called Peter, then Andrew, Peter's brother, James, son of Zebedee, John, James' brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or to the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. God, we thank you for the way that you show us your heart for your people in this passage. And and we know that it doesn't stop there, that you don't only go to the lost sheep of Israel, but you start there. And that as we even look at what that means in our own lives, who might be those that you're calling us to? Our inner circle, the people that are heavy on our hearts right now, even as we think about who needs you, God, that, that it's not either or local missions or global missions, but it's both. We start where we're at and then we work our way out. God, help us to live lives that are surrendered to you, that we would look at the example of the disciples and recognize that there's nothing extraordinary about them besides their God, that they were called and empowered and equipped by the same God, the same spirit that that we have in us. God, help us to be encouraged that when we encounter evil, that you have given us everything we need to speak out against it. God, would you use us to be lights in the darkness? We thank you and praise you for the way that you still work and operate and move. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, friends, we'll talk tomorrow. 
Hey friends, as we lean into a new month and we continue to learn and grow together, there's a couple resources I want to make sure you know about so you can take advantage of. The first is our Patreon page, and the link for that is in the show notes. And on the Patreon page, we have a couple things. We have a dedicated space that is for discussion, for asking questions. You get easy access to me where we talk about things, we hold each other accountable. There are resources that go with the show, like a journaling prompt worksheet download for every single adult show. We also have family discussion guides. And what's really been neat about those is that on the kids show every day, I talk about the same content that's on the adult show, just taught in a way that kids can understand. Then the family discussion guides create an environment for you to process that information with your children. You can use that at the dinner table or even as part of your devotional routine. There's some suggested prayer and activities and things to help you connect that content to the appropriate age for your children. So all of that is on the Patreon. Also, there's some prophetic words, extra videos, transcripts, all those kinds of things. The second is on our website. If you go to shehears.org, there's a shop resources page that has my Bible studies that I've written, links to different journaling Bibles, note-taking Bibles, all sorts of resources to help you grow. And then also on our website, we have the coaching section. If you are finding that you need some spiritual direction or life coaching, that is available for you as well. And that's really good to help you process what you're learning. If you're feeling stuck, if you need to work through something, if something just isn't sitting right, or if you want to teach this content and you need to help develop a plan, I'm available to help you do that as well. Again, all of these are resources to help you grow in your spiritual life and hear God's voice more clearly. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going.